we're going to talk about thinking today, actually. Um, we're going to talk about start, start a sermon series, short one, just a couple of messages about the, the, mind, the mind games the devil often plays with us and how we engage in that war, how we engage in that place, and keeping a sound mind. How many of you know God wants us as Christians to have sound minds? He wants us to think like Him. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 2 that we can have and we actually do have the mind of Christ. If you have been born again, you have been born according to the likeness of His nature. And therefore you have been given the ability to think like Him. <clears throat> so often we need to retrain our minds though to adopt that kind of thinking. Because we've been so used to thinking like little worms. Woe is me, poor sinner. I am just, you know, overcome, I I have no victory, everything is above me, and I am just subject to everything. We've been so used to thinking like victims that we need to retrain our thinking to think like victors. And, And it takes a while, often. It takes a while for us to realize what actually happened on the inside of us when we were transformed from being mere sinners that had a destiny called hell to being righteous who now have a destiny called heaven. Regardless of the fact that we still sin and have mistakes, our nature have, has fundamentally changed. In other words, we are no longer in the kingdom of darkness. We are no longer enemies of God. We are now sons and daughters of the Most High God. We are family members. We are in His household. Not by virtue of our goodness, but by virtue of the grace brought about through the cross of Jesus Christ and you and my faith in it. But because it was so not related to my effort to get into the household of God, we sometimes struggle to realize the effect of that transition. We think that, okay, sure, I'm saved by grace, but surely this must mean that, you know, there's still something left for me to do. But because we don't realize our position in Christ, we still try to attain our position instead of starting to act from our position. And because we don't ever think like we've attained it, we never step into the authority we have from it and this whole thing about our mind the battle of our mind has to come from that switch that happens on the inside of our hearts and minds we realize we are no longer sinners we have become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus and because of that switch I have now a place from which to rule and reign with Christ in this life I have a position to stand and declare and enact the authority of God over my life and around my and my surroundings. And because I stand as forgiven and righteous as a co-ruler, an ambassador of the home country in a foreign country, declaring the will of the home country over the foreign country and over my situation, I no longer have to accept the authority that comes and dictates to me how things ought to be in my life. I only accept one authority, and that's the constitution of the home country, and that's the Bible, the Word of God. So a short summary of what we're going to get into in these couple of um, messages, to, to, to say that there is a place that God wants every single Christian to walk from, to act from, to think 
from that is not a trying to reach him and a place with him and forgiveness, but he's <coughs> realizing that we have attained that in Christ. And now turning around saying, all right, since we are here, what should change? What should shift? What is no longer legally allowed to happen in my life? And what can I stand for and fight for? <coughs> but the enemy wages a very effective battle in our minds. I want to <coughs> talk to you about um, a specific operation that took place during World War II. It was called Operation Mince Meat. I don't know if you've watched the movie or if, you've <laughs> or if you know about that, um, that thing. Um, but in 1942, <coughs> excuse me, let me take a sip of water, see if I can become less. I'm trying to unsexify my, uh, my voice here. <coughs> I don't want to be any distraction to anybody, you see. <coughs> I'm not usually this husky. <coughs> I'm starting to wonder if I like it or not. <laughs> the peanut gallery over here said that you should ask Esther. <laughs> Thanks, Chris, keeping me humble. <coughs> Operation Mincemeat was a secret ploy created by British intelligence in um, the year of between 1942 and 43 to fool Nazi Germany into believing that the Allied forces were planning to attack and invade Greece rather than their actual intended target, which was the island of Sicily that's just south of, I of, of, of Italy. So you have to understand kind of the, the map of this um, and why this was such an awesome ruse, um, because Sicily is actually closer to, if I can, if I can, if I can describe it from your vantage point, uh, for, for, the, for the Allied forces to come around kind of Spain, uh, Portugal, Spain, into that, 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 I don't know even what you call that sea in there, um, but it's on top of Africa. Um, and, and they had to go past Sicily to reach Greece. Italy comes out with that huge fancy boot, and then at the bottom of the toe, there's, there's a little island called Sicily. And so they had to come around Sicily and to reach, to reach the peninsula of Greece. And um, <coughs> so for them to convince the, 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 the Axis powers, the Nazi forces, that they were not going to attack Sicily, but that they were going to go past Sicily and, re and, 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 and invade Greece, um, was not only difficult to do because of, you know, um <coughs> the fact that Nazi the Nazis were already convinced that they had intelligence showing that the Allied forces were planning on attacking Sicily, but it was also further to travel, so it ma didn't make a lot of sense for them to attack something that was that much further away. Um, <coughs> so to do this, they placed misleading documents on Glendor Michaels' corpse. He was a homeless man who had committed suicide by eating rat poison. <coughs> But they dressed him up as a fictitious Royal Marines officer named Captain William Martin. Created a whole identity, a whole story, so that every inquiry into Captain William Martin would be, would check out. Um, had him enrolled, had him in every document that they needed to be, that the Nazis would 
cross-reference to see if this was a real person. Um, <clears throat> it took them the larger part of a year to create this fictitious person. And in the meantime, they were looking for a corpse. Now remember, all of this was top secret, and nobody could know why they were looking for a corpse. And so when she, eventually they found this man, the homeless man who had killed himself. And um, they had to keep him fresh long enough to be able to sell him off as, a, as, a, as, a, as an airman who had had an accident out at sea close to the, uh, the shores of Spain, that he would drift ashore to Spain. Spain was um, indebted to Germany and, and, and they had uh, basically struck agreement with Germany to not fight against Germany, even though they were never occupied, they were, a, they were considered an ally of Germany at the time. And there were many, many, many German spies that lived in Spain at the time. And so what they wanted to do was they wanted to let this body with all this documentation of, quote-unquote, top-secret information of the ploy to actually attack Greece wash up on Spain's shore so that Nazi Germany would find their spies would come to aware of this and the information would be passed on to Hitler, diverting his forces away from Sicily to Greece to, uh, pre, you know, to, to um, be ready for the attack on Greece and in so doing, leave Sicily vulnerable for the Allied forces to actually attack Sicily and get a ground on the south of Europe where they needed to be to start ta attacking Germany from the south. Germany was at that time advancing down, it's fascinating, advancing down Italy. Italy is a narrow little country that, that has sea on this side, and, <coughs> and they were all already kind of advancing almost to the very end of, of Italy. And just in time, they needed to get into that, um, that area so that they could start staging uh, an offensive from the bottom up. So that's what they did. Um, they <coughs> released this man's body, posing as a Royal Marines officer, Captain William Martin, um, from a submarine, and he washed up on the shore. And um, it's you need to go. There's actually a movie called uh, Operation Mince. You, you need to go watch it. It's it's a, it's a PG-13 movie. In case you have kids that are younger than that, watch out. But um, it's it's incredible how how they you know, did this. And eventually the Nazis bought the lie and they diverted most of their troops away from Sicily, which allowed the Allied forces to actually take a beachhead on Sicily. And um, that was, that proved to be an incredible um, victory because it allowed for forces to start an offensive from the bottom up and it proved to be actually be quite significant in terms of the, um <coughs> the, 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 the pushing back of Germany in that critical time period, which led to the eventual taking back of the south of Europe uh, in, the, in the process of getting Germany to, to, to you know, to, to the, the German Reich to shrink back to its own borders. Um, <coughs> so, but the, the amazing thing about this was how information was used to fight this war. The story that is, is cast is cast as uh, a bit of a, like a, 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 a two types of wars. The one is the physical war that you're fighting on the ground, but the other one is an information war. And we've now recently seen again just how with the war in Ukraine, how information is being used to, to skew people's perspective. And, and you almost reach a point where you're kind of like, well, what is true? What is true? 
And, and, and when you hear somebody say something, you, 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 you're always like, I just don't know if I can know whether that what they say there is in fact all true. Sure, there must be some truth in it, but you know the problem is, is that 10% of lie that is often in there. In a spiritual sense for us, the, the greatest battle we have to win is not necessarily some war on foreign shores, but it's, it's actually the battle for truth in our own lives. What is true? What is true? When you look around you, sometimes it feels like the whole world is just losing their minds, right? <laughs> you, yeah, I, I once heard somebody say this. Um, he was a, uh, one of my seniors in, in, in varsity. He used, to, he used to say this always. You'll find very soon that common sense is not that common at all. <coughs> People are just overcome with worry, fear, doubt, anxiety. And most of the time, it's because of information. It's because of what's going on in here. Now, I do know that there are often um, circumstances that make it worse, physical circumstances, physical illnesses um, that people are dealing with that makes the war in the mind so much more acute and so much more difficult. But nobody, doesn't matter whether you're physically well or not physically well, nobody doesn't fight the war in the mind as well. And so even for somebody that has physical sickness and need a doctor and a professional to come and help them to be at a place where, where they're where they're biologically and chemically and physically able to conduct a normal life, still has to learn the techniques and the skills of fighting the enemy in their minds. And if they don't learn that, they'll often find that whatever the physical remedies that was given to them fall short eventually. And it just becomes this runaround of what else works and they never seem to just find something that can help them and so it doesn't matter where you are today whether you are in fact in a place of 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 of, of real um you know diagnosed sickness regarding your mental capacity to fight this battle or whether you're not you have to understand that you're going to fight a battle in your mind and whatever you have to do to be able to fight this battle the same as any other person, you have to do that. You have to get the help. You have to get the doctor's uh, um, advice. You have to get the professional's advice. Sometimes you have to combine a whole lot of approaches, counseling, therapy. But you also have to learn how to spiritually fight the battle in your mind. Because if you don't, none of these physical measures is ever going to be enough because it's not enough for anybody. Not even for the normal functioning person it is, an, is it enough to just not fight the battle in the mind. Everyone has to engage this truth-seeking fight to make sure that they understand what is true and they know how to operate from what is true about them, spiritually speaking. And so I say that to say that I don't propose that this is just a, you know, a wham bam thank you ma'am quick fix for everybody you you have to understand where you are at and and engage your battle from where you have been placed but eventually you'll come to understand that if you do not engage this battle also 
your life will not stabilize and you will not walk in sustainable victory. And so I offer this to you today as a, as a, as a, as a, as a learning curve and as an addition to your arsenal of weapons that you use in your fight against the enemy's uh, devices to cancel you out. 2 Timothy 1 verse 7 says this, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. God has placed a spirit inside of you that offers you the opportunity to walk in a sound mind, regardless of your circumstances. And you know what? That spirit will guide you. The Holy Spirit will guide you in everything that you need to do. And sometimes he will tell you, you need to take this course of action. And it'll be unwise not to take that course of action. Because it's part of the Holy Spirit knowing who you are and what your challenges are to lead you in what you ought to do. But follow Him in everything that He tells you to do. Because in that there will be great victory for you. There will be great peace for you. There will be great joy for you. And you will walk in the kingdom of God victoriously from the authority that He has given you. Not having to feel in any way inferior because you had to take three extra steps to get there. Hear me out. Okay? You know what I'm referring to. People who struggle with depression and anxiety and things like these from a biological or a chemical perspective. They often feel inferior because people will tell them, Christians will tell them, you know, you just need to read your Bible more. You know, you just need to pray more. No, no, no. That's not what we're saying here today. What we're saying here today is in addition to the measures that you have to take to be able to function like a normal, normal healthy person that does not have the drawbacks that you have because of your physical unhealth, you also have to, like any other normal person, take these measures for this to become a victory that you carry sustainably in your life. Without feeling in any form or way inferior to anybody else. Because you are not. Your value just the same. Your faith will work just the same. But you have to take the measures that you need. And the Spirit of God will affirm you and guide you in those measures. The enemy's primary assault against us is in our mind. See, even you thinking that you are inferior is actually the enemy battling and fighting against you in your mind and his primary weapon against us is lies the things that he tells us about ourselves you will never overcome this you will never be able to have victory over this situation those lies are how the enemy control us and how he wins the battle for our lives 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5 says, Though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For our weapons, uh, for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. So it's like Paul is saying here, the devil is going to share lies with you, knowledge, information, opinions, perspectives that are opposing the truth that Scripture declares over you. And the way we break down those strongholds is by demolishing those arguments with 
different information. But there's a process that needs to take place in our hearts if we are going to, if we are going to be able to break down those strongholds. Because a stronghold I- effectively is a lie that has gained control of you, of your thinking. The hardest battles we will often fight are not external. They're actually internal battles. And it affects our thinking. And our thinking affects our behavior. And our behavior starts affecting our character. And that affects our whole destiny. And so we have to take control of our minds. We have to be in control of what happens in our minds. The only power that a lie actually has on you is your agreement with it. And that's what forms a stronghold. If you start agreeing with a lie about something in your life, nothing can happen. Information can come, good news may come, good circumstances may come, but you will not move out of that captivity. Why? Because you're in agreement with the lie that you should be in that captive state. And as long as we agree with the lies of the enemy, the Bible says not even the word of God can break us out of that. Because the word of God also only works in your life if you come into agreement with it. The Bible says the name of the Lord is a strong tower and the righteous run into it and are safe. If you do not agree with the word of God, you do not run into the name of Jesus. And you can say the name of Jesus often and pray, but until you come into agreement with it, you're seeing the strong tower and you're recognizing it for what it is, but you're not benefiting from it yet. Because you haven't broken agreement with the stronghold that is carrying weight in your life. And come into agreement with the word of God that is able to produce the fruit of freedom in your heart. And that's what this process of us taking people through Freedom Life Group and then through Freedom Conference is. It's the process of coming into agreement with the truth that scripture declares over us. It's a powerful course. And I encourage every single one of you to in time go through freedom. Because it not only helps you with the things that you are struggling, it also teaches you the skill um, to live that kind of way. Proverbs 23 verse 7 says this, For as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. For as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. (laughs) Everything, every opinion you have about yourself forms you. So over time, you can look at you and realize what you're thinking and what you've been thinking. (laughs) And so in the beginning, you're a victim of a lie. Bear with me, please. But after a while, you become a volunteer of the lie 
especially if you've been given news, good news that says that this do not have to remain. So it's time to start thinking about what you are thinking about. And you don't have to look far. You actually just look in the mirror. Not just the physical mirror, although that sometimes is a good place to look at. You have to look at the Word, which is the spiritual mirror. What does it declare of me? This Word declares of me that I am free. Am I free? Oh, maybe not so much in this area. Maybe not so much in that area. Why am I not free in that area? What am I thinking about that? Well, I can't be free because of, all right, now we're getting into the good stuff. Wherever you say I can't, the Word of God says you can through Christ who strengthens you. So what is it now? I'm believing a lie in this place. How long am I going to remain a volunteer? Or am I going to start breaking agreement and stepping into agreement with the Word of God? So John 8 verse 44 says this. The devil is a murderer from the beginning. He has always hated the truth because there's no truth in him. And when he lies, it's consistent with his character. For he's a liar and he's the father of all lies. So here's something you've got to remember. If the devil can talk angels out of heaven, he can talk you into hell. Not only can he talk you into hell eternity, he can talk you into hell on earth. And so that's what it's, what's at stake here. You see, God actually wants his kingdom to come to earth. He actually wants the conditions of heaven to become more and more reality for you here on earth. And listen to me, you can live in the kingdom of God and live right next to somebody who's living under the same conditions as you are. But you live blessed and prosperous. Why? Because you are surrounded. You are in a, you, the kingdom of God is manifesting around you. Where that person is not in agreement with, the, with God's word, might not experience the same thing. That's how Christians are to prosper under the same economic hardships as what everybody else is feeling. Why? Because we have a provider that's not connected to this economy. Right? We have a provider that can use all sorts of means to protect us and to provide for us and to carry us. But until we come out of agreement with this world and the, the systems and the way this world operates and step into agreement with the kingdom of God, you're volunteering to stay bound and under this world's conditions. And it will never change for you. It's a battle of ideas. The idea that we have a God that heals us. The idea that we have a God that protects us. Makes people walk into um, places that are in conflict with, 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 with Christianity. Makes people go into 
uh, creative access nations or, or quote-unquote closed nations to preach the gospel. Why? Because they have a fundamental belief that God called them there and that if he called them there, the kingdom of God will protect them as long as they need to live, to be there. But see, we can't even fathom that. Why? Because we're so connected in our thinking to this place, this reality, this world. It's time to break out of what we've been just thinking the whole time and, and start thinking, well, what does the kingdom of God say? How does, how does it want us to live? The idea of, of, of giving money and expecting me to still survive and thrive. I'll <laughs> just leave that one there. <laughs> Here's the reality. You are God's property if you are in Christ. And the devil has no right to you. Listen carefully. He has no right to you. But he's not going to deny an invitation. He's not going to pass up on an opportunity. And so wherever you come in agreement with him and his lies, you're giving him opportunity. And he'll say, thank you, sir. I'll take as much out of this as I can, and then some. He's not legally allowed to touch you, but you are a sovereign individual. Your will can supersede God's will. God doesn't want any of us to sin. Do we sin? Yes, we do. Does that mean that on earth, your will can supersede God's will? Will? Yes. Did God want Adam and Eve to eat the, 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 the fruit? No. Did they? Yes. God made us with the capacity to go against His will. So that when we choose not to, that translates as authentic relationship, authentic love, authentic um, uh, 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 submission. Otherwise, it's robotic. It means nothing. <clears throat> and so, your will can give Satan opportunity in your life. But where you are coming to agreement with, when you come into agreement with God's word, the more you come into agreement with it, the more you close the opportunities for the devil to influence your thinking, for the devil to influence your activity, your actions, for the devil to influence your decisions. And what you see is you see life, righteousness produced through your life more and more. And you see the kingdom of heaven manifesting, the conditions, the values, the, 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 what the Bible says, the, the kingdom of God is not in eating and drinking, it's not in the things we do, but it's in righteousness, it's in being right with God, thinking right, living right, and then in joy and in peace, you see those conditions manifest in your reality because you've come into agreement with Him. So often things happen that are traumatic. Like maybe you were raised by a perfectionist father or a mother and now you believe the lie that you have to be perfect. Everything around you has to be perfectly controlled for you to be right and have peace and be successful. You see your circumstances led to the devil whispering an idea to you that now you feel like if it's not like that, you're, you feel insecure because you're not in control anymore. Maybe you failed at a business idea. 
and you started believing, man, you failed because you are a failure. You're not a good, but you can't do this. And you stop trying altogether. <laughs> Maybe you heard your parents say this to you. You won't amount to anything. You're good for nothing. That was a direct lie. And in that moment, you didn't believe it. But then soon after that, something happened. And you thought, well, maybe I am good for nothing. And because you didn't have truth that made you counterattack that thought, that thought embedded in your soul, and you just became wishy-washy about everything. Oh, I can't do this. You didn't want to commit to anything anymore. All those activities followed out of you believing and coming to agreement was something somebody said over your life that wasn't true. Maybe you're a teenager right now and comparing yourself with others on Instagram and the idea you get from that is that I'm not shaped up, I'm not good enough, I'm not pretty enough, I'm not strong enough, I'm not disciplined enough, I'm not happy enough. Yo, in the last couple of years people have have spent so much more time online, and guess what happened? They say that the um, um, calls for, for, for mental help, mental health help, have rised more than 900%. It's all here. It's all lies that are being, being whispered into our ears. I want to spend a little more time on this because it's, the examples are diverse as, as life is diverse. But maybe you, you were sexually violated in any way or form. And somewhere something shared the lie with you that it was, it was actually your fault that they did that to you. And that lie made you feel so bad that you felt that, well, I just brought this on myself. And not knowing how to deal with that, now you don't know how to say no and how to stop it from happening to you more. And maybe you find yourself now just being used by people. Let me tell you straight up, that is a lie. And you don't have to sit and be a volunteer of that any longer. You can't say no. Maybe you grew up in a home that was poor. And you believe that you've just got to have money. And now you're so <laughs> dedicated to not having, not be poor. That now money is your God. <coughs> and you will do anything to make more money. And no amount is ever enough. Like that other guy said, <laughs> how much is enough? Just a little more. What are you thinking about, about things? Because what you dedicate your life to probably has some form of control over you. What you spend most of your time toward. If there's something that you cannot say no to, you are drawn to, I've got to do more of this or I've got to be there. I can't say, I can't just let that be for a minute. It has control over you. 
And in that control somewhere there is a lie that says if you don't do this, you're not doing enough. And so what happens is you want to be a good dad, but you're afraid of not bringing enough money. So you'd rather be an absent dad than to be able to say, I didn't bring enough money in. I want to be a good mom, but I'd rather be an overcritical mom than have my kids being bullied or, or criticized for their looks in school. And so they're getting more criticism about their looks at home than they are even at school. What are those things that, that, that we just can't break away from? They're all lies. They're all right here. A battle that we need to fight and replace those lies with the truth so that we can have freedom in our own selves, but also that we can share freedom with those around us. And we can create atmospheres of growth and grace, atmospheres of faith and freedom where we can live life with the expectation of God's goodness to come on us. Regardless of the circumstances that we're facing on the outside. You see, you can't control the thoughts that you have. But you have absolute control over the thoughts that you hold on to. You have a choice to decide. I'm going to take this opinion of me. And I'm going to start forming my conviction about that. You have absolute control of that process. And that's how 2 Corinthians 10 says that we have to take those arguments and those thoughts that are given to us and that we make, take them captive and bring them to obedience to the knowledge of Christ. What does that say? We compare it to what Jesus says about us. That's what it says. We compare it. Is, does this match up with the Bible's opinion about me? And if it doesn't, well, there you go. Bye-bye, Felicia. We have to bring it into obedience. We have to say, are you opinion of me, of my circumstance, are you echoing what the Bible says? In other words, are you submitting to the Word of God in what you're trying to tell me here? And if you're not, you're not in obedience to Christ. And I don't obey what does not obey Christ. And so I will reject that thought. I will reject that opinion. I will rather go with what Jesus says of me and keep on that, even though it might keep me still in a circumstance where I'm not perfect, I'm still struggling, but at least I'm not, a, I'm not building my life from here on forward on a lie. I'm still building on the truth. And the truth eventually will set me free. You see, a stronghold is just an agreement with a lie. And the agreement diametrically opposes God's truth and therefore it keeps us captive. You had you prayed and it didn't work out the way you wanted it to work out. And the lie came to you, God's not real. 
And maybe in that minute you didn't have somebody that would help you understand the reality and the interaction between the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of God and the kingdom of man. And how prayer works and how God's will on earth is enacted. And, and, and because of a delay and because of how things affected you and hurt you, you believe that lie that God's not real. And now you're building your whole life and all your decisions on that lie and it's going to destroy you. It's going to destroy your perspectives. It's going to warp your understanding. Because if you don't have God as a, as, a, as a plumb line, there is no way to make um, calls on what is good and what is bad, what is right and what is wrong. Because that very notion is predicated upon the fact that there is a standard that has been set in place by a standard maker that is above where we are, that can see uh, objectively everything. Otherwise, it's just your opinion against mine. Who makes the call if there is no objective party? You don't have morality without God. Don't believe that lie. Accept the fact that God is real. And rather start dealing with your situation from that vantage point. Well, if He is real, how does that help me work through my hurt, work through my disappointment, work through my disillusionment? That leads to life. That leads to peace. That leads to joy. It does. So I'm going to talk to you in the last couple of minutes on how we destroy these strongholds in our lives. The first thing is recognition. You have to identify lies. Lies about your body image, your sexuality, lies about money, about your marriage, about relationships, about your past, about your future, lies about God's existence, His love, His affection. You have to see where those lies are coming from and realize that if you've believed any of them, that you've actually opened an opportunity for the devil to now control your life and lead you along a path that he wants you to go on and God never, never wanted you to go on. The second is submission. James 4 verse 6 to 7 says, but he gives us more grace. That's why the scripture says, God opposes the proud, but he shows favor to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. There are two sides to submission. The one is to surrender. <clears throat> and the other one is, is to, to commit. But you see what we try to do is we try to commit to changing ourselves without first surrendering. If you don't surrender first, you do not get God's 
cooperation in your change process. You try to do it all by yourself. It leads to nothing. First, you have to submit to God. What does that mean? It means that you accept that He is God and that He is a rewarder of those who seek Him. And first and foremost, seeking Him means to accept Jesus' message and to accept Jesus' work on the cross to become your salvation. And then to commit means to come into agreement with God's word, to commit to accepting his perspectives about you, his perspectives about your situation. No matter how loud it screams at you, you can live in peace as long as you remember what he declares over you. This is your reality. When you lose your peace, you rejected his truth. Plain and simple as that. If you keep his truth, you keep his peace. What are you thinking? What are you thinking? None of this says that what we're going through is easy. None of this says that it's not complex. It's not oversimplifying it. It's saying that (laughs) if you reject the truth, it's almost like it's, it's hell to play. Because then you will experience hell on earth. But if you keep his truth, you stay in agreement with his outcomes over your life. It helps you to walk in the kingdom of God. The lie that says that you're going to be destroyed by this, you're no longer volunteering for that lie. You're no longer in agreement with that. You're coming into agreement with God's truth about you. So the first one is recognition. Realize where you've believed lies. Second, submission. Give yourself to faith in God. Put your trust in Him and come in agreement with His word about your situation. And third is resistance. Like the Bible says, after having done all to stand, stand therefore. Stand. Don't retreat. Stand. And wait in faith on the Lord who will renew your strength as you wait on Him. And you keep and remain standing and trusting in His outcome. Now you stand and you resist any attempt of the enemy to tell you any different an outcome as what God word, God's Word has declared over you. You reject it. You fend it off. You bat it. You do whatever you can to do it. You shout at it. You scream at it. You cry. You duck. You whatever you need to do. Karate chop if you must. But you stand on that promise. And you don't shift your agreement from what God said about you and about your situation until it manifests or you go to heaven. At least you've stood victorious. You did not back off. He did not overcome you. 
but your own strength is no match for a stronghold. You have to recognize the lie, surrender to God, agree with His word, and then resist. Don't just try and fix it yourself. Ephesians 6, 17 says, first, take the helmet of salvation. The helmet of salvation. Protect your thinking. Protect your head. You are saved by the grace of Jesus Christ. You are a son of and daughter of the living God. Nothing is going to change that. And then the word of the sword of the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Even Jesus knew to do this. When the devil came to tempt Jesus in the wilderness, Jesus said, he said to, the, to, to, to Jesus, if you're the son of God, blah, 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 talk to these stones and make it bread. And Jesus knew the scriptures and he knew that his willpower wasn't going to be enough in that minute. He had to enact word power. And so he quoted Deuteronomy 8 verse 3. I looked it up. It says, he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you, uh, make you know that he, uh, that, sorry, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Guys, our lives, our success is bound up in the word of God. If you can agree with the word of God, it will bring life to you. It'll bring breakthrough to you. It'll bring victory to you. It'll bring <laughs> peace, joy. It's all bound up in the word of God. But we got to stop volunteering for all these lies, y'all. A couple of days ago, we preached. The stone has been rolled away. But it helps you nothing if the stone is, stone is rolled away and you're in the grave refusing to come out. It's gone. It's open. But you need to come into agreement that you're free. Don't know why I did that. I'm sorry. You're free. Maybe I'm hot. I want to break out of this thing. because I'm, Listen. If you're imprisoned in your mind, you won't take a step outside that grave. Outside of that lie. You've got to break agreement with what you have been believing about you, about your circumstance, about your situation. And you have got to come into agreement to the Word of God and what it says about you. That's the only way you win this battle. And if you win this battle, you win in life. Satan is going to tempt us. If he tempted Jesus, if he tried to get Jesus to submit to him, He's going to try it with every single one of us. He's going to try it. If you're not ready for it, you're ignorant. 
if you think you had some amazing revelation because, because something happened to you and now you're believing you know, something wrong about God, guess what? There's nothing amazing about that. People have been falling for that lie for centuries to their own downfall. And I am pleading with you, I implore you, do not believe that lie. And if you need to understand why I am so convicted about God and His existence and His reality, please come and talk to me. I will not preach at you like this. I will help you understand why I believe. Not just scream at you what I believe. I will tell you why I believe what I believe. And why it is perfectly logical and consistent to believe this as Christians. Please come talk to me. Don't struggle out there with your questions about faith and think that there isn't Christians that like to talk to people that have difficulty believing what we believe. We love, I love, and many people here love to speak to people that have struggled with their faith. There's nothing wrong with having questions, but there's something fundamentally wrong with not seeking answers for those questions. Please come ask your questions. And we'll have a conversation and I will learn why you have issues, not issues, difficulty believing. And then we will discuss them. Because I truly believe <coughs> that there are great reasons to believe. People have questions about why is there evil in this world. People have questions about why there is suffering in this world. People have questions about why God does not answer prayer. People have questions about um, 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 why, uh, uh, you know, where do we come from? Um, uh, you know, uh, scientific questions. All sorts of questions that are great questions that will give you such assurance of your faith once you see the perfect, uh, not the perfect, the Christian perspective of those questions because there are amazing answers out there regarding those things that you have experienced that will help you to retain your faith in God stronger than ever before don't stop asking questions for answers but please stop throwing out accusations and questions just to give excuse for not wanting answers there are answers if you are sincerely looking you can come and find we want to disarm the rulers and the authorities because Jesus has already done that and triumphing over them according to Colossians 2.15 in what he has done when he rose from the dead and so we want, to, we want to take these lies and we want to replace them with truth. Because John 8, 32 says, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Here's where I want to say this. Sometimes it just feels like taking that first step to trying to do this it's just too much. 
Sometimes it's like people say, hey, here's what you got to do. But you feel like, I can see the steps. The only problem is the first step for me is about this high. I don't feel like I can do what you're telling me to do. I don't feel like I can even take that first step. That's where family comes in. That's where people comes in. Sometimes somebody needs to give you a little boost. I wanna, we want to help you up that first step. I know that sometimes this is difficult to take, to start doing. And that's, that's why we have a family. That's why we have life groups. That why, that's why we have friendships and, uh, or at least great acquaintances in this church with one another. So, so that nobody has to feel like I can't make that first step. You can make that first step because you have us. But you need to ask for it. We're ready. Here's where we are. We're standing ready to give you that first little boost up if you feel this is too much. But you need to connect. You need to say, I want to do this, but I need a little boost. Who can walk with me? Is there somebody that can start this process with me, that can just help me get started? Yes, there is. It's called spiritual family. But like everything in Christianity, it starts with your decision to come in agreement with it. To say, I want that. Let me have some of that. And so if you've not connected into this family of people, I want to invite you. Come and talk. Let's see how we can connect you into a, a, a pocket of relationships there are many pockets of relationships in this church. None of them are closed pockets that are like cliques that you can't get involved in. We, we, we actively build against that mindset. We are outward looking circles that are always welcoming more people into our environment. And you'll be welcomed, you'll be loved, you'll be cherished, and you'll be given a little boost to take that first step. Let's all stand together. Heavenly Father, we, we want to humble ourselves today, Lord. Because we know, God, that without you, we cannot win this war in our minds. So first and foremost, we want to acknowledge you, God. First and foremost, God, we want to say that we believe you are. And if you're, if you're sitting there and you want to just, you want to just say this, Lord, I... I'm not going to do, I'm not going to call you an altar call or anything. If you need this as a, as a private prayer between, between you and God, here you go. Here's your opportunity. Lord, I used to say that I don't think you exist. But actually, I, I do think you exist. I, I just have so many questions. I just find it so hard to reconcile what I've experienced with what people say about you and what what I know up to now about you. And Lord, after today, I'm, I'm not going to say anymore that you don't exist and, and that you're not real, but, but Lord, I do still have questions. And I pray that you will give me those answers that I seek because I sincerely want answers. If 
that's you, if that's your prayer, you, you pray that to him. You know what? God doesn't despise those kind of prayers. He actually acts on them. He actually, he actually sees it as an invitation to make himself and to prove himself to you, to prove himself real to you. So you go ahead and you make that, you make that request of him. Holy Spirit, I pray that you will show so many of us the lies that we face. Things from our past, things in our present, things about our relationships, things about our, our families, lies we believe that we've become enslaved to, that we've become prisoners of. I thank you that you help us replace those with truth so that they will break off of us. Thank you, Lord, that you start whispering truth to our hearts right now.